Mullen Ampersand is recorded on the traditional and unceded territories of the Wellastigwell and the Mi'kmaq. So we're back with another set of guests. We spent like two hours snacking and talking about so many things, just talking all the shit. <laughs> um, but we have two new guests here, and I'll have you introduce yourselves. Uh, hi, I'm AJ. Uh, I use the pronouns, and I am a fourth year English student at St. Thomas University. And I'm V. I use they, them pronouns, and I use poetry and nature uh, together to, to help me process things and keep my head on my shoulders. So, yeah. Welcome. Thank, Thank you both so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you for having us. <laughs> and we've heard from a little birdie who is a prior podcast episode guest that you both are into Fredericton slam poetry scene that yeah. is true i happen yeah. to have witnessed both of you at the latest slam uh including congratulations aj on nearly capping out the Thank points <laughs> deduction yeah fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was a it was a really cool moment for me it was my first time mm. uh doing slam poetry in the area and i don't really do a lot of public speaking and i just kind of went on a whim and was like i feel like i want to test myself so i did and i had a really nice time the community is so great and vibrant mm -hmm. and you know a really good place to really kind of start and branch out yeah i don't think i've been in many rooms many poetry events that were that supportive mm, yeah um, everyone felt like they were fully attentive and fully like just ready to like hug each other and cry yeah. at any moment. Yeah. which sounds silly but it it's like it felt like such an open and caring space that mm. is so rare and it was gorgeous yeah, yeah for sure i'd mm -hmm. never really performed in front of an audience let alone done slam yeah. before al started the slam scene here and it's is wonderful space i really enjoy going Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So you two are both pretty new to the scene. Yes. yes. Have you mostly been writing poetry on your own before this? Yeah, uh, I've been writing poetry on and off since I was a very little kid. Like, I remember being in grade six writing a poem for a ma like an online magazine that no longer is in print anymore <laughs> so you can't you can't really find it i tried looking a couple weeks ago and i couldn't find it but that's when i started and i've just kind of been working on it through my university career especially mm -hmm. as i've been like growing up and coming into myself mm. and i've been writing poetry as long as i can remember i remember being seven and out at a camp with a campfire and just writing songs for the stars and just like making <laughs> oh, them up on my yeah. spot but i also to go back to the previous people you interviewed uh wrote a lot of angsty middle school poetry like, <laughs> yes middle school is when i really started using writing as a tool of survival yeah. and so yeah. middle school and high school it was just i wrote to stay alive and yeah. then a little bit i dabbled in it in my undergrad but then i came <clears> up <throat> with other coping mechanisms so i kind of put writing off to the side and that's been something I've been exploring the last couple of years of going back to writing as processing. And I've also reconnected with nature a lot in the last year. And it's interesting that I could just, a lot of my poems are about nature or use nature uh, metaphors and things. So they just, they have a very organic relationship together. Mm. So. I feel like organic is kind of a pun in that sentence. It that was. I'm Good catch. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Can you say more about how you think about your relationship with nature and poetry? Sure, absolutely. So I grew up in a really small rural fishing village. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in Grand Manan. So yes. <laughs> yeah. just being in nature was what you did because that's all there was to do. Yeah. And so I just grew up in a family that uh, really cared about like conservation and just valued spending time in nature. And so I just really enjoyed that. I grew up in a family that also had a lot of hunting culture, but it came from a very respectful like conservation lens not mm. this whole trophy hunting or toxic masculinity kind of <laughs> it was you you hunt in order to keep your family alive yeah so mm-hmm. for me that wasn't that wasn't part of what i brought into my adult life but for me rediscovering spending time in nature and developing my own relationship with nature that doesn't involve this pretense of i'm here to meet this goal but instead i'm here to reconnect with nature, I find a lot of meaning in spending time in water. I start. I started this summer hiking out to waterfalls and just swimming oh, wow. in waterfalls, which is just such a spiritual experience, regardless of what your yeah. spiritual connections are. And I've just really enjoyed, like taking that time, like the intentionally taking that time to be out in nature, and just let everything else fall to the side and see how things settle into place. And mm. so when I, you know, when I write poetry now, it's not in my room with the lights off and some candles and like <laughs> writing angrily like in middle school it's hiking out to a waterfall and sitting on a boulder in the middle of the woods yeah. and just writing and trying to process things while also letting things process through in nature and forest bathing and all that mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the things we often take for granted living in the province we do is mm-hmm. how beautiful it can be and it's so hard to forget in the city where you're surrounded by cars and concrete and the things that come with that that we have these beautiful natural green spaces mm-hmm. and that there really is the need to protect them one of the things that's been amazing to me talking about like kids writing which has been one of the things we've we've been talking about this episode is how focused they are on the environment mm-hmm. in nature and calling out humanity for what mm-hmm. we've done to it. Like, mm-hmm. our next climate activists, they're, they've already started, and they're calling us out through poetry, and mm-hmm. I couldn't be prouder of them. They're doing more than a lot of poets who are experienced and well into their careers are doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. so many established, quote-unquote, nature poets are literally just, like, looking at a tree and saying, wow, isn't this tree in my backyard and my, like, house that I got through my mm. tenure job and can afford to be like lounging around with um <laughs> isn't this tree beautiful and like not thinking any farther about that yeah but, like all mm-hmm. these kids who are coming up especially and like really young poets are doing these revolutionary things and rethinking our relationship with nature mm-hmm. and actually going and beyond just like thinking about oh let me go to a park and find nature Mm. there Mm -hmm. um being really critical about how nature is everywhere Mm -hmm. and even the city is its own ecosystem and yes that's so fascinating to me especially when you can like um i can't remember who i was reading the other night but i was reading about um i think it was in toronto like young poets in toronto who are writing about the waterways Mm. that are under the streets and things Mm. like that and I think this was in relation to like Aaron Murray's writing, but <laughs> young people who are kind of taking up this this mantle 
I can't remember at all where I was reading this. Uh, curse my short-term memory, but yeah. No, it's interesting. My next poem for the slam, I wrote, I just was having this exact existential dread about climate change mm-hmm. and like the role I had played in my indifference. And anyway, so I remember like reflecting on, you know, you can tell I've been single for a long time, but I've also grown up a lot that now this is where I'm at in my poetry journey that I'm writing about how we're all... We can swear on this podcast, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're all fucked, but was awful. We both <laughs> yeah. fucked each other. So like, yeah. 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 No, ecological grief is the way yes. that people are terming it. Oh. And, like, watching especially really young poets, like, um, at the climate strike that took place here in September, a lot of really young people, like, young students and even mm. some teenagers from the local high school read some poems um, at the climate strike on the mic. There was an open mic segment for them. And the feelings that they were expressing about confronting the fact that they can't imagine a future mm-hmm. and are still trying to survive through that mm-hmm. blows my mind because those yeah. are things that I'm barely able to articulate mm-hmm. at my age. And like, I've been confronting those things my whole life still. But kids these, like kids these days, <laughs> funny term <laughs> phrase, but you know, um, they, they get it in ways that I don't think any other generation has had to so urgently. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's a, that's the thing too is that like we're constantly asking our kids to grow up way too fast mm-hmm. and like I work with children as mm-hmm. well and um, just kind of the things that you know each child brings up like I had one kid bring up to me is it normal to feel depressed when you're going through puberty and I was like I, I, I didn't know how to answer, right? Mm. Because, like, those are grown-up feelings that, you know, a child shouldn't have to feel but does anyway, right? And, like, it, it, it's got to be awful because, like, you know, like, I'm still part of that zillennial generation where it's like, mm. oh, you know, well, you're too young to really know much of anything, but we're old enough to just understand it. And mm. it's, like, the constant weight of of living under that pretense that you know we're all fucked and like we're all gonna die is is really hard to navigate i couldn't imagine being eight and trying to sort through that or 16 and trying to sort through Mm. my own mortality like yeah you know it's 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 a lot to think about and it's a lot of pressure we're putting on our kids and they're the ones that end up being the adults in this situation too right Mm. it's not really fair they're a lot more capable of taking that on than the rest of us seem to be a lot of the time yeah yeah it makes you question like how can a kid look at a pipeline and go you know what that's a terrible idea maybe let's not do that when we have a government made up of grown people that can't figure out like maybe there's an alternative that wouldn't destroy the environment and you know put the wreck in reconciliation so (laughs) (laughs) yeah um, shout out also to the land defenders in bc right now the Wet'suwet'en people, the Gidimton checkpoint, um, has been invaded over the past couple days. Mm. I spent a lot of yesterday watching the the Unistodan Twitter as they were live mm. updating on the situation. It is horrific what is happening out there, and don't turn away from it. What people need right now is support, financial if you can do it. Um, tell people about it and witness it mm. if you're like that's the least you can do. Because it's awful. Yeah. It is hardly isolated either. Yeah. Al's just saying there's Alton Gas in Nova Scotia who's doing the same thing. Um, Yeah. Colonialism's still alive and unfortunately well. 
mm. um, and has the RCMP backing it and violently enforcing um, the interests of oil companies over, you know, human and land rights that are established by law and, like, shouldn't even need to be established by law mm. to be valid. <laughs> we'll share some of the links related to Wet'suwet'en as well. There's some things you can do as an ally right from home, and it's really important to find out what is going on and how you can help, because it can't only be the land defenders that are fighting back against this. Mm-hmm. Podcast says Indigenous rights. Yeah, mm-hmm. Podcast says <laughs> Indigenous rights. Solidarity with Wet'suwet'en. Mm-hmm. And please stay in the know. Take it upon yourselves to see what's going on and not just ignore it. Mm-hmm. We're also gushing right now because the podcast is being absolutely adorable with Elle. Mm-hmm. She says, no pipelines. <laughs> yeah. uh, Maggie, the podcat, is opposed to pipelines, and so should you be. <laughs> Do you think it's time for some poems? I think so. Which of you would like to go first? I don't mind. <laughs> I don't write poetry about Valentine's Day-esque themes. Part of my own journey with coming back to writing over the last year has been finding my audience and finding my boundaries for audience Mm -hmm. of it's okay to have some poems that are just processing pieces or there's some okay to have poems that may be like into the slam but like don't necessarily want to get published or like Mm -hmm. like there's different ways of exploring that so this is a super cheesy poem that I wrote when I was having feelings uh, while I was in Newfoundland last summer. So it is the closest thing I have to a romantic poem that I can put on air. So <laughs> We did get a, a secret reading right before this recording that, session. I will neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> and it was amazing. <laughs> so this poem is called Measuring Up. Conversing with you is like learning how to cook without having a recipe book, and all of the instructional videos are in a language no one ever modeled how to speak. As such, I did not read any recipes, threw in too much of everything, and while I applied too much heat, everything still tastes raw and unfinished. Trying to live off the same dozen recipes for just as many years is not sustainable, but here we are. Over the years, as I tempted you with the same old dishes, rehashed in boring ways, you might suggest a spice, but mostly the seasoning had passed, and I was once again left with a bad taste in my mouth. You always leave me wanting more as we orbit back and forth over the same ill-addressed hunger. When I invited you to dine this time, your response was sooner than most. And the first time you called me by my true name, it was like you had built me my own kitchen and said, you have done enough. Please sit down. You are home. This one is a lot more sinister. Uh, I have a very cynical outlook on monogamous love (laughs) so so i wrote this one i wrote this one after i had uh, broken up with my second last like really serious monogamous partner it's called the death of jean paul marat do you see it do you see this blade here take the handle i won't do it you always do this to yourself and place the whiteness smeared with you back in my hand and say you did this you took it and you killed me with it Go fuck yourself with your hate, the way you loathed the sexcapade, the way you resented the love between my body and your own. 
Do you see it? Do you see that blade? Give it to me. I will do it. I always do this to myself and let the whiteness smeared with you trickle back into my hand and say, I did this, I took it, and I killed you with it. So I will fuck my chest with your hate, the way I desired the sex, the way I craved the love, the feeling of our bodies together. Here you go. I've done it. Because murderers are better off dead and accessories are no better. And when you refuse to be either, I'm the sole witness to your crime. Let me relieve you of your moral duty. I'm gone. Do you see it? Do you see it now? Damn. Yeah. 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 That's one that, like, I love when a poem just leaves people completely like, I need to process this. Mm. <laughs> it's, yeah. It really, like, when, when a poem makes you speechless, you know mm. you're doing something effective. Thank you. Yeah. That was amazing from both of you, also. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Is her tip-tapping, eating food, getting picked up? No. <laughs> it is really cute. <laughs> Just hear her so chat is wearing her collar. She normally runs around Nike, but I made her dress up for our guests. In the event, she ran out the door. And uh, her tags are making quite the little click-clack, click-clack <laughs> sounds as she's eating. It's time for the dumpster dive. And we will do the same routine we had done with Al and Sarah. <laughs> There's some great reactions already. You will each this. take a turn reading your question, answering it, and then your poetry buddy will answer your question too, and then you'll switch off. Very good. Uh, I guess I'll go first. Mine is favorite non-gendered terms of endearment for a partner, <gasps> which Ooh. I love. I don't know. I am more partial to baby, and for my other partners, I usually use babe a lot, but, mm. you know, I, I, I don't know. It's pretty cheesy the way I do it, but, like, I also like pal a lot. I like calling <laughs> them my pals. Um, that's really sweet. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's my answer, I think. Okay. Um, for, like, I haven't dated in almost a decade, but... Um, I remember when I was growing up, I really did, or in high school more specifically, I really didn't like the term babe. Babe, I just found it so infantilizing, but like to each their own. <laughs> um, I use romantic, like endearing terms that are ungendered for all my friends, so I don't even know how that would change in a relationship. So I call people, you know, dear and pal, mm. and I really like the like beloved or like lover oh, or that kind oh. of thing. But I'm also hopeless romantic, so that's where that kicks in. I use love a lot. Love is fun. Mm -hmm. Love yeah. is one I tend to go to a lot. Mm -hmm. I like sweet pea, too. Sweet pea's my mom good. always used to call me sweet pea, and I'll catch myself doing it. I'll call somebody sweet pea, and then like, oh my god, I've just embodied my mother. <laughs> my sister has budgies, and she found out, she thought that they were both boys and like biologically or whatever and then one of them it turned out was a girl but she just endearingly calls them shitheads and she's like well that's still not gendered so oh, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I generally gravitate towards people's names yeah mm. which like at times I overthink and I'm like names are too powerful <laughs> and then you don't use it for a while but like yeah I don't 
not a lot of terms of endearment, mm. but silly things. Like, I feel like each relationship I've been in where those things happen, where you, like, end up nicknaming each other, it's always, like, food-based. Mm. <laughs> so I have, like called some, like a former partner noodle a lot noodle. and just cheesy things like that yeah it gets really really silly yeah, <laughs> yeah. i've heard like my petit croissant before oh my <laughs> and my boyfriend and i one of his is buffoon you absolute buffoon you <laughs> and oh my God. that is one of my terms of endearment for him yeah, the like almost insulting ones are always yeah. Yeah. sometimes. Like shitheads is Shit, a good one. Yeah. Or like gender Mon neutral. Always shitheads. Yeah. Um, I will say I'm part of a, <laughs> a research project right now. Uh, I'm a research assistant on um, Symbolian Anthropocene, which I'll name drop. There is a website in the works, um, so look out for that. But during a recent first meeting that happened in Santa Barbara, California, to which I was Skyped in because I wasn't actually there. Um, for some reason, the word dickheads kept coming up. And apparently this was based on discussion about a plant called, like, the California blue dick. Mm. Um, but then, it like, the discussion just kind of turned into, let's talk about flowers. But, like, it's about flowers, but we're talking about dickheads and about how humans have also been dickheads to the environment. And, like, that that just turned into, like, an odd term of endearment yeah. in like a weird professional setting that you didn't expect <laughs> mm-hmm. hmm. so my question is very easy to answer it says with a little heart at the end how great is jenna's outfit today and i would say it is excellent i'm always jealous of jenna's lipstick game and you yeah. also have really gr- rad earrings so like everything about your aesthetic is just so wonderful so thank you for being you that's a <laughs> As far as your outfit goes, I would say 10 out of 10 would recommend to a friend. Uh, I think you look (laughs) absolutely stunning, and I agree that your lipstick is on point, and you've got very nicely shaped lips, so like it just works really well for you. I don't even need to be wearing that. Jenna was like fully like hands to face, like falling apart right there. (laughs) You turned me into a puddle. I'm curious. I'm so curious too. Is it someone who left already? Maybe. Must have been Ariel or Sarah. I don't recognize this person's handwriting. The mystery continues. Ariel? Might be. Perhaps. Not Sarah. Not Sarah. Thank you. This for feels not like, Sarah. you know, those anonymous Valentines you used to get? <laughs> no. Like right around this time of year. Oh my God. They do the suckers. <laughs> and sometimes it would get so passive aggressive. Like someone would order one for someone and like, when I was in middle school, people would use it as, like, a tool to bully people, oh, which no, was no. really messed up. They'd use it like, oh, we'll get a sucker for the kid that, like, hasn't had a girlfriend yet. And then they'll be like, oh, maybe I have a secret admirer. That's oh, so no. problematic. I just went somewhere dark. <laughs> seen from Mean Girls. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and none for Gretchen Wieners. <laughs> afternoon of snacks and laughter and tea and spilling the tea (laughs) (laughs) much spilled much spilled Mm -hmm. and all we'd have to say now is be gentle with yourselves 
with a holiday focused on monogamous relationships that and are often heteronormativity. Cis, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> find your joy where you can. Take it in the best way you know how, whether that's embracing the lovey-dovey or rebelling with some jaded love is a consumerist (laughs) rantings. You do you (laughs) and know that you are valid regardless. Mm -hmm. And also please. 50% off chocolate. Yes. I was about to say, take advantage of all the chocolate sales. They are here for you. There's some decent fair trade chocolate in the city. There is. Yes. Also a few ending notes we've already spoken about. Make sure you support and stand in solidarity with those at Wet'suwet'en mm-hmm. and our land defenders. With coronavirus, there has been a lot of racism against the Chinese Canadian community. Mm-hmm. Please, mm-hmm. please do your best to support them. You may not realize it, but a lot of their businesses are already being affected. So if you're going to order out, support some of your local Chinese Canadian businesses and watch sex education. Also- before we leave that note, yeah. remember that racism is a much more deadly and infectious thing than coronavirus. And yeah. will be. And inoculate against that. So. Yeah. <laughs> also, and, yeah, watch yeah, Sex watch Education. Watch Sex Education on Netflix. <laughs> uh, it gets gayer every episode. Does it? And it's Asexuality amazing. is also represented, which is fantastic. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is the show we all deserved when we were going through puberty yeah. that we never so received. Many, like, close to tears conversations about this show and just how like had I seen this as a teen right or at any age before now I would have had a different life I could have like had so many things that weren't shame based mm-hmm. in my life um shout out to my horrible catholic school lack of sex ed which was abstinence um but yeah like just the idea that there's a show out there that is very mm. overtly queer and like actually addresses a lot of really difficult stuff in really tender and wholesome ways without yes. shying away from being also disgustingly raunchy. Mm. Um, and just like letting all of those things exist is wonderful. It It is pure. It is yeah. wholesome. It is what we deserve. Yes. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Instagram as AJ Allward. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, you can find me. That's about it, actually. Maybe on TikTok. I'll put a, <laughs> I'll put a dumb thing on TikTok and be like. <laughs> Sorry, you missed the gesture. Throw some peace sign gesturing. <laughs> You'll have to see AJ's TikTok. TikTok. You'll see it. You'll see it. <laughs> I am boring and old and crotchety and don't really use social media to display <laughs> my creativity at all. But you can catch me at the Poetry Slam, which is every yes. third Wednesday of the month right. at the Tipsy Muse at 7 o'clock. And it's an awesome, wonderful, supportive time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so come out and support that. Please do. 100%. And before we sign off, the podcast is on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and she had a I would say viral TikTok and she's probably more popular than I will ever be in my life I had this sad realization one day that I was like you know I think my cat's TikTok did better than my poetry book <laughs> oh, no. so you can check out 
Giovanni TikTok, which is just Jenna and Albert, and see Maggie getting some very good brushes. <laughs> Can we also talk about how your book cover, though, is basically a cat TikTok? Pretty much. It is behind um, D over here in a frame, and uh, Jenna's book, Beck and Call, does feature a cat licking its own butt and getting caught in the act on the cover, which is the most <laughs> Jenna cover that ever could be conceived. <laughs> Thank you all so much for tuning in. Again, be gentle with yourselves. Get some of that 50% off chocolate. Support Slam Poets. Have a lovely Valentine's Day. And make it gay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Be gay, write poetry. <laughs> Alman Ambersand is produced and edited by Jenna Knorr. Intro music is by Adam Washburn. Special thanks to this week's guests, AJ Allward and VF Mariner. Elman Ambersand is hosted by Jenna Albert and Rebecca Salazar. This show is made possible thanks to the city of Fredericton.